I like God's presence. Have you ever been around somebody that carries a presence? Have you ever been around somebody that carries a presence that is disturbing? You're not at peace. You're not at rest. Anybody ever experienced that? You walk in and, and it's like you can just sense. You can't put your finger on it, but you can just like, uh, I can sense something. There's tension or there's like... God's presence, it's like, it's better than that. I'll just tell you that much. It's better than that. And I'm glad that it is. This is a house this morning. That would have been a spot where you could say amen. You know, a house is known by who lives in the house. For years in our family, we would go for drives. And as we would drive, Winona and I would be talking, and sometimes we'd go by somebody's house, and we'd go, oh, there's the dog lady. That's her house. Oh, there's the cleaning lady's house. Or this one is for you, Pastor Ariana. There's the piano teacher's house. And we identify houses by who lives in that house. The White House. Who lives in the White House in the U.S.? the President of the United States. In Canada, it's called a different house. I forget the exact name of the house, but the Prime Minister lives in that house. Rideau Hall? Thank you. The name had escaped me for a moment. But a house is known by its inhabitants. There's, there's houses that we drive through. Some houses are known as crack houses. Because of the inhabitants, whether it's positive or negative. I shared last week where, where uh, for a few years, a number of years ago, Pastor Daniel and Pastor Brenda were building a house. And one of the builders, one of the contractors came and he would actually come and he'd sit in the house and, and they were talking once, Pastor Brenda and, and him. And, and he just said, I'm drawn here and I walk in this house and I just love it and Pastor Brenda had set an atmosphere in her house where she would just play worship music and she didn't even recognize the impact but somebody else came in and goes this house they recognize something in that house we're going to spend a number of weeks I haven't put a time limit on it but we are going to spend a number of weeks talking about this is a house Solid Rock, and the Church Universal. They're one and the same, and they're unique. We are part of the Universal Church, but we also have a separate identity. We live in, we're from Abbotsford. We have certain things. We have a pastor who has an amazing sense of humor. Not all churches have that. <laughs> so it's like, you know, there's something unique about Solid Rock. I don't do stand-up, but I stand up. But, you know, there's houses that have unique, and there's some things in solid rock that are unique to us. Some of them we do well, and some of them maybe I need to improve on. Have you ever looked at your house and said, you know what, I do a really good job of this, but this could use improvement. It's, it's not a bad thing to identify that, 
don't beat yourself up, but you, I can identify. And there's some things that I believe we do really well. And there's also some things I think that I and we can get better at. One of the things I think we do amazing at is worship. I mean, we could worship for like an hour. I actually set the timer this morning on the worship team. But a house, a house, this is a house. And the first thing, the first sermon I'd like to share and the first thing I want to lay down for you is this is not a house, this is the house of God. The first thing that I want us to walk away from and the first thing I want us to understand is this is the house of God. I've got a few verses I'd like to read to you and then I want to go to a passage in Genesis. But what I'd like to start with is is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul is talking to the the people there and he's written to them and, and they've been arguing about Paul and Apollos and who they belong to? Have you ever met somebody that argues about who they... Well, I'm part of this group. I mean, we just had a federal election. and Well, I'm conservative. I'm this. I'm that. And and we sit and argue. Or here's another thing we sit and argue about. In current situations. I've got a mask. I don't have a mask. I've got a vax. I'm not vax. And And what happens is we start arguing about all these things. And what we've done is we've missed Jesus. And we built arguments and rationale over things, and we've forgotten Jesus. So I want you to see something about building a house. If you're going to build a house, the first thing you do is you excavate and you get ready for the foundation. Don't dream of building a big house if you haven't thought about what it's going to take to hold it up. I didn't even have that one in my notes. Could somebody write that down and send it to me later? Because i got to put it in a meme. (laughs) Not that I'm desperate. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. Paul is writing, and he says, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. First and foremost... This is a house, its foundation is Jesus Christ. Not Pastor Nelson, who founded the church, who planted the church, who launched the church. It's not Pastor Nelson, it's not Pastor David, it's not so-and-so, it is Jesus Christ. The foundation. If I could be honest with you and be revealing of something, there are times when Pastor Nelson changed his mind, not because he didn't know, but because God directed him and said, no, this is what's important. When you build a house, sometimes you have to renovate or make changes and addendums, not because you don't know, but because something better comes along. And sometimes we get so busy building something and we think we have Jesus Christ in it, we think we've got God involved, and then all of a sudden we get a word from God, an inkling in our spirit, or somebody says something and we go, oh, I need to correct that. Why? Because the foundation to my home is Jesus Christ. And so what he says goes. Have you ever met somebody who walked in their house, what, what I say here goes? 
in this house, what Jesus says goes. That means if I'm wrong, he's right. Please don't send me a bunch of things I'm wrong about this week. I've got already God telling me. I don't need other people telling me. But no other foundation can we lay. So as we start this series, last week was week number one, and we talked about culture, which is part of the house, what, how we do things, what we're like, how we, how we sing, how we worship, how we give, how we interact. This is a house, and this is the house of God. First thing I want you to take away, this is the house of God. If you can turn with me to Matthew 21. I say turn with me, but you need to just maybe use your fingers and and type in your phones. Matthew chapter 21. In verse 42, Jesus is talking and he says, don't you, didn't you ever read in the scriptures, Matthew 21, 42, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord Jesus and it is, or from the Lord and it is marvelous in, his, in our eyes. What's interesting is if you practice this logic, you might find that people ridicule you because people, until they get a revelation of Jesus Christ, do not understand the importance that he plays in our life. And Jesus is rejected in secular world out there. You don't think so? I would suggest to you, if each one of us contemplates and looks at, at COVID right now, if we could be honest, and we have all these, I mean, one day it's the science, next day it's this, and we have forgotten Jesus in all of this. Yes, we practice common sense, we practice careful, we practice caution, no problem there. But where's Jesus? And the moment you bring Jesus into conversations, quite often he's rejected or you're rejected or you're rebuffed and you're said. But yet in today's world, I think if I could be honest with you, what we need more of is we need more of Jesus. And before we start pushing Jesus on others, we need to start building him in our life. Live your life, have your house built on Jesus, and then have Architectural Digest come to you and say, what's different about your house? Because it stands the storm better than anything else. Architectural Digest is a journal. I didn't just make that up. The stone that was rejected. There might be things that you believe, convictions that you have, or persuasions that you're holding on to that you have gotten from the word of God and other people might think they're crazy, they're weird, they're irrelevant, they're not for the times, they're not for the days, they're not for relevant. It's old stuff, it's old school. I'm here to tell you if it's built on Jesus Christ, it's for today. I don't care if you call it old school, new school, cutting edge, leading edge, off the hook, off the chain, whatever. Jesus is relevant today. Make him the most important thing in your world. 
everything you do, you've run through Jesus. I've worked in construction, and every time I would want to do something, I'd have to run it through the architect or the engineer, and I'd say, can we do this? And I'd run it through them. But in life, we don't run through Jesus. We don't say, Lord, I'd like to say this to this person, and then when we ask him, he says, no, David, I don't want you to say that. I want to type this on Facebook. Oh, man, I want to type this. I've got to put them straight in social media. They just don't understand. And the Holy Spirit says, don't be a fool. And I said, I'm not a fool. I know better. I don't know about you, but I argue sometimes with the Holy Spirit because I think I know better. Social media needs me to tell them everything. Filter everything through Jesus. Look at somebody and just say Jesus and say it in the right tone. He's the chief cornerstone. What I'd like to do now is I want to take a little picture, take a few minutes, and I want us to see the importance of God, the importance of an encounter with God, and how it impacted somebody's life. So if you can turn with me to Genesis 28. This is foundational. This is foundational for you and I. This is foundational for me. Sometimes we need to go back to the foundation. Can the foundation handle it? If the foundation can't handle it, figure out, is the foundation wrong or was your building wrong? Because some people have a faulty foundation. Other people have a great foundation, and they just got faulty thinking. Don't reason Jesus out of your thought life. Don't reason why you're doing something other than what Jesus says. I've heard people say things, and they cloak it as making it sound spiritual, but all they're doing is justifying their actions and their thoughts, and they don't bring Jesus into it. I've had to change my mind. I've had to apologize to people, and I don't like to apologize because it brings tears, and I don't like tears. It brings like a show on my face, and and it's like, oh, but... Filter things through the lens of Jesus. In Genesis 28, I want to read about Jacob. He departed from his family. He went towards Haran. And it says he came to a certain place and he laid down and he had a dream. I I just love this. He had a dream. He had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants also will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the east and the west and the north and the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. 
Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, surely, I just love this, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. I thought he'd be smarter than that. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. And then he woke up and he, set, he, he rose and he set up a pillar and he poured oil on it. He called the name of that place Bethel and he made a vow and he says, if God is with me and will keep me on this journey and then take me and give me food to eat and garments to wear, I'll return to my father's house uh, in safety. Then he will be my God and I'm going to give him a tenth to him. What's interesting is he made that vow, but God didn't ask for that. God just said, I'm going to do this. And what I'd like to say, show you here is a few things about this encounter. First of all, Jacob sees in a dream heaven touching earth. You've got to see the God possibilities around you. Don't live on an earth by earth by earth by earth decision making. Live in a realm that says, how does heaven touch earth? And what I also find interesting is he had it in a dream. I think God sometimes speaks better to us in our rest than we can think of when we're awake. I've had dreams that I don't remember and I've had dreams I remember and I have found that the dreams I remember I write down because my wife taught me to do that and I will write them down and I've found that they have been pretty much what God has been speaking to me. I don't get a lot of dreams but I've had seasons or times in my life where I would get three or four and I have found as I've remembered them what it is is God speaks to me in ways that I couldn't fathom when I'm awake but I'm at, when I'm at rest, he speaks his best. Some of us are so busy that we can't rest. And it's when we rest that God can speak to us his best. I said that on purpose because I'm working on rhymes. When we rest, he speaks to us his best. That's all I've got. I don't have verse 2. But see heaven touching earth. See, what does God play in this? How does God factor in this? And God can speak to us when we're sleeping. God can speak to us when our mind is turned off and he can speak to us better than when our mind is turned on. And we are creatures of control. Every single one of us. You say, I don't mind. I can do what other people do. No, no. We are creatures of control. And sometimes we have control so tight we squeeze the life out of it and God's saying, just rest. That's why this morning in worship, I just asked you just to be able just to sit and just open up. Because sometimes we get so busy and our mind's going, and God says, just rest and let me give you a picture of heaven. 
I want to give you about seven or eight, nine or ten, I don't know, <laughs> thoughts here. I'm going to do them quick because I've got overtime. But this encounter, this encounter that Jacob has becomes a foundation for his life. This is the first recorded uh, encounter that Jacob has with God. He has other encounters where his name's changed and other things, but this is the first one that he has with God. What I find interesting is, is Jacob was running away because he actually had deceived his, his dad and his brother and had taken the birthright. I mean, God took up a messed up person. Jacob wasn't perfect. Jacob wasn't perfect, and yet God said, I've got something for him. Don't have to get all your stuff together. You don't have to get all your crap together. You don't have to get it all together before God can say, no, I've got something for you. I live, I, 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 my life has been turned upside down, and God still comes to me and says, I've got something for you. There are days I don't know which way is up. I have to look at my calendar and figure out what am I supposed to do today. And God still says, I've got something for you. God can take you even though you've messed things up. Don't tell God he can't use you. And God, and maybe that's why he came in his dream, because sometimes we figure and we argue, and God says, no, I just want him to be quiet. I want his mouth so I can talk to him. Here's things. This is God's house. It's a place of rest. You want to write these down. The encounter that Jacob had was a place of rest. He was asleep. We hear God best when we are at... You're poets and you don't even know it. The encounter was a, it was a place of encounter. He encountered God. The, the impact of this. It was a place of the supernatural. Otherworldly. If I can use terms other than supernatural. It was out of this world experience. He saw angels. He heard God's voice. That's not something that happens naturally. In God's world it does. But it was supernatural. Don't don't just think in the natural way. Think of heaven touching earth. And when heaven touches earth, something supernatural can be birthed and happen. And this is a house. This is a house. This is the house of God. I want the supernatural here. This is a foundation of which we build our life, our church, our world on. It was a place of visitation. God met him where he was. I can't stress that enough. God can meet you where you are. Don't have to set it up. Just live your life and give yourself the opportunity to hear from God and listen to him and he can touch you and it can be in a dream. I am amazed at how many people had dreams in the Bible and how it impacted them the rest of their life. Sometimes do this and do this. Use your two ears and close your one mouth. I feel like I'm talking to my children. 
But they're adults. They already heard that, so I'm not talking to my children. It's a place of covenant. This house is a place of covenant. I love it. God doesn't say, if you, I will, which he does say at times, but here he says, this is what I'm going to do. There are times, there are conditional promises, there are promises in the Bible that says, if you, I will. But there are also times when God wants to rock your world and he just says, he comes and he says, this is what I'm going to do. One of the greatest one of those is salvation. The work of salvation. You and I didn't have any negotiation. He just says, this is what I have for you. It's a place of covenant. It's not a place of contract. Covenant is different than contract. Contract usually is a negotiation. Covenant is, this is what I do. When I married Winona, I just said, this is what I will do. I didn't ask her what she would do. I would just said, this is what I'm going to do. Covenant. God is not in a contract negotiation with you. His word, he just says, this is what I'm going to do. Yes, he says, be holy as I'm holy. But that is part of living life. But the part of the promise that he gives you is the part of the foundation where it's like, you know what? I don't have to negotiate with God. He says this. This is what he has for me. And because of that, I will live my life this way. It's a place of importance. He spoke to Jacob, and Jacob had a revelation or responded in kind. Jacob had a spot where it was important. He built a foundation or a a pillar and a, a spot, and he poured oil on it. Remember when God speaks to you. Remember what he spoke to you. I go back to points of my life when God spoke to me and those points of life affect me today and have helped me make decisions today based on what I heard and learned literally 50 years ago. When God speaks to you, remember what he says because it is important. This is a place of revelation. He says, this is God's house, and I didn't even know it. I'm expecting people to come into this house not realizing what's happening and walking out going, okay, I was frustrated. I was tied up in knots. I was a mess. I was this. And Monday rolled around, and all of a sudden it's like, I'm not worrying about that. I'm not stressing about this. I'm at rest. Why? Because it's a place of revelation where God can reveal things to you and impact you. It's a place of beginning. This defined and directed and impacted Jacob's life. And it's a place of defining. Jacob said, this is God's house. It used to be called something else, but this is God's house. Not only that, but this is the gate of heaven. The revelation and the beginning that he had was said, you know what? This is heaven touching earth. This is the reality of heaven on earth. And this is the beginning of Jacob's journey. It's a place of rest, encounter, supernatural, visitation, covenant, 
importance, revelation, beginning, and defining or definition. And what I'm asking God for you is not only would you sit and listen to this as a house, but also apply it to your life. Not only is this solid rock, but solid rock is actually a community of believers. We are many which make up one. We are individuals, and yet we make a group. The last thing I see about Jacob is that this was a place of more. God had more for him than Jacob had ever expected. I believe that God has more for solid rock than Pastor Nelson could write down in a vision statement, than I could write down in a dream, that I could expect. Why? Because when you line up with what God has, you line up with what he can do, not what you can do. I believe in planning. I believe in vision. I believe in looking at things. But sometimes we get all of that figured out and we've left God in the back seat. This is a house. This is the house of God. He rules. His house, his rules. I got one. This is his house, his house, his rules. You can pray for us as we lead. And as you walk with us, that we will follow his steps and his guidance. But this is his house. And if that means we have to change, we have to become this, or we have to change this, or our thinking has to change, we will do what we have to do to, in order for this house to be established in this community, and that lives will be touched by the almighty maker of heaven, who does not lie, who does not change, who is stronger than he's ever been before, and he doesn't change, he doesn't get weaker, he doesn't get, he's strong, he's mighty, he's powerful. This is the house of God. I've got two closings this morning. The first closing I have is if you need to realign your life in any way from what I've shared this morning, you go, you know what? I've kind of had the steering wheel. And I believe uh, God gives us the steering wheel. But I haven't listened to you, Holy Spirit. I've kind of gone off-road. And I got stuck in the mud. He brings his tow truck and he wants to bring you back. If any of you can identify with that, where you've kind of been like, you know what? I've been kind of like 60, 40, maybe even 51, 49, or maybe even 80, 20, whereas I need to be God 100%. What's amazing is when God's 100%, he allows you to be 100%. So if any of you can identify this morning just with a little tweak 
I'm not talking about massive change. Well, maybe there'll be some of you with massive change. But if God is speaking to you this morning about establishing your life, reestablishing it as this is the house of God, my life, David Stunenberg's life is the house of God, and I will live my life reflective of that statement, could you just raise your hand? I'm not asking you to close your eyes. I'm just, if, if you just, if something you've, you've heard and you just say, you know what? I just need to tweak it a bit. I'm going to pray for you. I need to. So Heavenly Father, I just ask for those that can identify with the adjustment that maybe we have to make. Shifting it from me more to hearing you. I just ask God that we would be mindful this week that this is the house of God, first and foremost. Amen. The last thing I want to do as you leave this morning, I want to reiterate God's word over your life. What I want to do is I want to revoke, or invoke, not revoke, invoke the power of Jesus, the work of Christ over your life, and the impact that he can have in your life. And I've got two verses to read to you, and this will be in closing. The Lord bless you. Actually, it's three verses. Lord, forgive me. That was funny. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. May you walk in that revelation this week. God bless you. Have an amazing week. This is the house of God. Amen. God bless you.